You are listening to the You Are Techie podcast, episode number 24. Welcome to the You Are Techie podcast, where it's all about growing in your techiness so you can find the tech job of your dreams. And now your host, technology learning coach, Ellen Toomey. This podcast is sponsored by our all-new course, What Tech Job is Right for Me. Visit us at yourtechie.com slash start to check out our new course and find what tech job is right for you. We have a special treat today on the podcast. I'll be interviewing two lovely ladies from The Mom Project. They connect talented women with world-class employers that respect work and life integration. How cool is that? Colleen Curtis joins us as the head of community and communications, where she oversees community UX. We love that. In product, strategy, service, and events, as well as serves as the public relations and social media lead. Colleen previously worked in marketing at knock.com and Yelp. Her coworkers have described her as she's one of those people where you're just in awe of her ability to execute on a million things at once. Literally a million. Colleen has an undergraduate and graduate degrees, both in marketing from Loyola University and Northwestern University, respectively. As an active mom of two boys, ages six and one and a half, Colleen loves to travel and spend time walking with the only girl in her house, her dog the director of product management at The Mom Project. Margo ensures that the members of The Mom Project are being connected with flexible, meaningful work. She connects the business with the product, design, and engineering teams to build the features that make this possible. Margo has spent the majority of her career in product, serving as a senior product manager for Grubhub and VP of product for Hireology. Margo's tenacity, patience, attention to detail, and ability to navigate complex technical decisions have been admired by her coworkers. She's a graduate of the University of Wisconsin-Madison, Go Badgers, and the Chicago School of Professional Psychology. Margo enjoys talking about outer space with her three-year-old son, Levi, and dabbles in making jewelry in her spare time. Colleen, Margo, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having us. Okay. Let's jump into the interview, starting with a not super easy question, but if you could each take a turn to tell us about your career journey and how motherhood played a role in your career decisions as two women in tech at a tech company. My career journey, I think, um, interestingly, I really truly never thought that I would be considering myself a technologist in any way, shape, or form. It was kind of the joke amongst my family that I break technology within a five-foot <laughs> radius of me, and I still do today. Um, but this has like always been the case. Like, take me to a, um, take me near a printer, it will break. Take me to an elevator, it will break. Take me near sign of a great technologist. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, so I actually started out not knowing that I wanted to get into technology at all. Um, I kind of fell into it, which I think is kind of a common path for product people. For sure. Kind of about this later on, I think it's becoming a 
maybe more common for people to know starting out that they want to get into product management, but that was not a thing um, for me while I was in school. So I was always just really interested in um, people and actually started my career uh, out of college selling makeup because I didn't know what I wanted to do yet. Um, yeah, I suppose still have a hard time, even in product, you know, even though I've been in it for a long time, through most of my career, I still have a hard time identifying myself as, you know, a techie, if you will. Um, but, uh, but yeah, have, have really just learned to um, love the challenges associated with figuring out how to use technology to solve problems. Um, motherhood has been, I'd say, a big factor in my choice of company, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But uh, so I started to become just really passionate about workplaces and, and, and specifically respectful managers who could kind of understand the challenges associated with motherhood. And that's kind of ultimately what led me to the people at the Mom Project. Absolutely. Colleen, what about you? Yes. So um, I also came by way of technology in a, in a roundabout path. I joined um, as a 25-year-old, no kids, single. I joined Yelp as a, a remote community manager. So really events and PR and, and really sort of this grassroots effort to build community. Um, but for a tech company that was um, before tech was a thing, right? So my dad mm -hmm. was horrified that I was leaving my very stable job in real estate. I joined. Um, I joined them in 2008. I was um, I was very fortunate to have worked on the the kind of infrastructure layer at Yelp um, in building community and, and stayed there for 10 years and um, had my first child at Yelp while out on assignment in London. Um, and so having my first baby in an organization that was relatively young, so the workforce was relatively young. So at the time, and this is 2014, um, didn't have any paid leave. Um, my European colleagues were horrified that I was coming back to work after 12 weeks, much of which was unpaid. Um, and so a real eye-opening experience, not only um, to be having a child in a company that was sort of going through its adolescence, uh, you know, as a, as a company, um, but also to be surrounded by a European workforce that had a whole different um, viewpoint on, you know, how mothers should be treated. And, and I stayed at the company for another three years, and they evolved their policies and their culture significantly. It, no one has to pump in a supply closet anymore, like I did. Um, yeah. Oh, been there. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. Um, so I left Yelp in um, the end of 2016 and moved back to the U.S. Um, I had joined the Mom Project. Um, I had been referred to it by a, an acquaintance of mine just to pick up consulting gigs because I then found out I was pregnant with my second. Um, so I joined the mom project, was matched to their director of marketing, thought, okay, I mean, I'm eight months pregnant at the time, I might as well throw my hat in the ring. Days later, had an offer and started, I think, a week later. So I feel really fortunate to be able to build a community and a, and a platform for um, moms that go through the same evolution as we did, because we, we ultimately feel like um, you shouldn't have to choose between work and family, but also that we can you know, build this product and this platform that, that allows people to thrive in both of those places. So that is fantastic. Such a great story. Um, I'll start off by telling both of you, reminding you how you are so techie. You're both so techie, no matter what you are in the code. And, um, and then Colleen, I want to follow up with you that, um, 
I can't tell you, I'm like getting emotional, how important your story of getting hired at eight months pregnant is. I hear this again and again in, in and around our community that, well, it, you know, I need to wait. What if I, but I, I'm not, I'm not my, you know, I'm not my best self. And I certainly, like I had my first kid, I went back to work and I was like devastated. For, she didn't sleep for a year, which I thought was bad until I had my, but I wasn't the same person. And my employer was fine with that, but I wasn't. And I just thought I wasn't enough, wasn't enough, wasn't enough. And I hear this all the time about like, well, if I have another one, I have to wait if I want to have another baby. And nobody who want, I've literally heard this again and again, who wants someone who's eight months pregnant? And apparently the answer is the mom project because there are companies out there. I keep telling them, I, yes, there are people who will look at you and reject you and say no. Yes. But then there are other people who are like, bring it on, you know? Yeah. I mean, my personal opinion is you should own what your story is that you are the whole package regardless of your pregnancy status or your child status right and that you will land on the right doorstep of the right company and if you are being rejected because of any of those factors you literally don't want to work like I do not want to work somewhere that can't take me eight months pregnant like I know what I can deliver don't want that better find out up front better, better right. for me to know i now. know it's almost like a good screen walk in and see what happens and if they're like whoa then you're like okay not for me you know okay so because we have such you because you are so techie i'd love to dive in and get what i love is like the day-to-day telling people like um and don't you know i'm sure it's amazing you work in an amazing company everything is rosy but just tell us what you do on a daily basis and i'm sure that every day is not the same but like what are some things that you do frequently margo do you want to start sure so right i was i i truly do struggle with the question on a day-to-day <laughs> basis what do you do yeah. because it truly varies so much um any given day, let's take yesterday, for example, um, it would be um, meeting with uh, stakeholders and people in the business to make sure that we as a product team are prioritizing the most important things according to them, and also sharing and being transparent about what's being worked on on the side so that there's a lot of um, basically a lot of context sharing. So in some ways, I bridge uh, the gap, I think, or kind of a in the middle of the Venn diagram, if you will, between what's happening on product um, design and engineering and the rest of the business. And so it's making sure that both sides have all the information that they need to be able to operate the most effectively. Um, so that kind of thing, it's sitting in design meetings and looking over some of the awesome work that our design team is doing. It's um, working with an engineer on solving a tough technical problem that we can't quite, you know, we didn't think we were going to we thought we were going to be able to do some build a feature this way. It turns out we can't. And so what's the best like compromise or what's the best kind of path forward? Um, it is sitting in a room with a team trying to figure out how best to move the needle on a certain metric that we know is really important. So a lot of like collaborating, a lot of working together, a lot of like context sharing, I would say. That's I like that actually. I think diplomat is positive. A lot of times 
um, the way I hear product, either a product manager or head of product is described, it's like, you're the no person. You just have to tell everybody no. <laughs> no, you can't have this, no that. Well, I definitely see that as one of the challenges of the job. Um, yeah. I think, you know, if you're a, a strategic product person, you are singularly focused on some right. very specific goals. And that means kind of like, now getting yes. everything out of the way. Yes. Um, yeah. What I've learned over time is that the more context you can share with people, the less batting you have to do yeah. because then everybody will be aligned to those. Yes. Those goals. Yes. We also doctor the chief focus officer. Nice. Nice. So I love it. The um, fact that you, yeah, the fact that you, I mean, that is the key, right? In product to stay focused on the essentials. So I think that's, um, I think you get that title too. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, I'll go really quickly on that. My day-to-day um, is also a little hard to pin down, but um, I've been singularly focused on community. Um, but there's still so much technology that sits on, obviously community product development is, is a huge focus for us. So we're ultimately looking at what are the problems we can solve for our users that includes um, you know, the research and like really understanding the pain points so that we can build features at an MVP level that actually get picked up by the people that we want to serve, right? And so um, I'm very embedded in that work. But even if we look at, you know, uh, mom customer service sits with my group as well, um, there's just a lot of technology components to that in a way, right? So, you know, you have all different kinds of people coming into a customer service flow. Right now we're looking at, do we need a different piece of the technology stack to sit and be able to, you know, adequately deliver this high level of service to our moms? And, um, and then the media and public relations piece for me is, is like the fun part. Um, that gets to be like the branding piece and um, less technology there, but, but ultimately giving a brand and a voice and a personality to a technology product. Um, yeah. Now the project is an easier one to do that for than some of the other ones, but uh, be able to like adequately speak to two sides of a marketplace in a voice that's really relatable and interesting has been a really fun thing to work on. So um, absolutely. So um, this one is one of like this is one of the most popular questions I ask, but it's tricky. So you might want to you might want to think about it more, but. What are your two favorite secret weapon questions to ask when you're interviewing someone? So a lot of our community, they're interviewing and they're like, okay, what well, I need to know, you know, the answer to everything, but I want them to focus on like just answering the best questions. And so our guests come up with some really good ones. Do you guys have any two, two so good I, questions? I do have thoughts on this and only because I'm really passionate about the topic of interviewing, but cool. um, I do have, I'd say, two things um well okay so the first is a question that i actually i have to give credit to zappos and tony shea for for coming up with this one um, um and you know they're all about like company culture and everything there and so they like to hire for people who are a little bit weird and they have some interesting questions but i really love the question um what would uh what would you say is the biggest misconception about you um reason being you get a lot of um, knowledge about how self-aware somebody is. And to me, that EQ is really like the emotional intelligence kind of self-awareness is really one of the biggest um, 
things that I think make people successful in a product role where you're having to just, you know, understand and deal with so many different kinds of people and know where you're coming from in, in a lot of different situations. So, um, so I get some really interesting answers to that. On top of that, I would say my biggest thing that I look for when I'm interviewing is, so I'll ask the question, what questions do you have for me? And I think I learned the most about somebody by the questions they ask. The more thoughtful questions you have, the more likely you are to get past that interview in yep. general. Yeah. Yes. Totally. The metadata. Um, I'm not, yeah, I want to know is somebody curious about my role, about the role. Have they put some thought into the company? Have they put some thought into the challenges? Yeah, um, that's great. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree with that. If you could start any startup, what would it be, right? And and why? And like, and you really start to see if people, you know, maybe they don't want to be a founder of a company that has a whole other, you know, bend to it, but. Have you thought about it? And like, what does that idea sound like? And like, how kind of can you articulate your vision on something? Um, because ultimately, a lot of the work we do is taking something from scratch and being able to connect the dots and build it, right? What question do you wish that I had asked you that I didn't ask? Like, Ooh, in that good one. basically be like, what I really wanted to tell you about was like, how I built this thing that's just like what you want me to build. Um, or whatever it is, right? And so you're ultimately giving them that, like, and I sometimes actually do that via email after the interview um, to give them a little bit of time to, like, reiterate their interest in the job. And then also um, just, like, oh, I wish you would ask me about, and then they can, like, lay it out a little bit. Like, my big philosophy on interviewing is that I try to put people at ease because I want to see what they're really like and not just, like, what their, like, sales front looks like. Um, and that ultimately when people feel comfortable, um, they give you more information about who they really are and how they'll actually be in your organization. Um, and when they feel formal and pent up, and then you're, the, the downside of that is you'll hire people who will sell you on themselves and not necessarily the best person for the job. I love those. Super, super um, interesting. And so, like some I've heard and some I haven't. And I think that's going to be really helpful. So we'll, we'll be sure to share those. Okay. What do you, this one's like, you already touched on this a little bit, but like, what do you like best about your job and what's the biggest challenge? I would say the thing, it's, it's very hard for me to pinpoint the one thing I like best, but if I had to, so for me, it's always, it's cheesy and sometimes I don't believe people when they say this, but the people, <laughs> so for me, it is truly working with um, a team that, um, I think really puts people first um, and working with a team that kind of values collaboration and values its other team members. Um, that to me is like the most fun part about it. And the, the thing, like the quality of any kind of work environment that I would look for in the future, just like people who are um, supportive and interested in collaborating and working together really well. Uh, yeah. I'd say that's my, my favorite part. Yeah. What's your least, least favorite? favorite? Okay, least favorite. <laughs> biggest oh, challenge. Hard. Biggest challenge. It's a better way to say it than your least favorite. Least challenge. I would say um, for a, let's see, we've already talked about like some of the challenges and saying no. Like, of course, it is hard in a product role. You do have to be kind of the person who is just saying no. Um, 
to everybody, uh, not necessarily everybody, but a lot of people. Um, and I think one of the things that, it's uh, not so much the saying, no, maybe that is the hard part, but just keeping everybody, including um, the rest of the company on task and focused on what the main goals are. So specifically, um, when you're in kind of a, a startup or rapidly growing or fast changing company, um, it's you want to be, you need to be reactive to the market. And so you need to be able to kind of pivot and be flexible. So it's like maintaining that balance of flexibility to the point where you're meeting your users and market needs, but also maintaining focus that is a really big challenge. Great. That's awesome. Yeah, I can see how that could be a really big challenge. Well, I have one final question for you. And it's, um, you know, this, this podcast is all about bringing women to technology and, and carrying them through, but really opening up women and especially mom's eyes to the fact that they are techie, that they can do it. And so I just would love to know if there's a mom staying at home or there's a woman in um, a non-technical field and, and she's thinking about making this transition in, into, into technical work and what, um, you know, as we talked about, like some broad definition of technology, it's all related product work. Uh, what advice do you have for her in, in that transition? Yeah, so I guess a couple things. I would say there's like the part about what you want to be doing because there's so much, right? Like, like we talked about, the, the definition is so broad. And so there are so many kinds of different things within tech that you could be doing. And so first kind of looking at the kinds of things that you've enjoyed doing in the past and if they kind of, you know, I guess, orient towards the, you know, investigative side of things versus maybe the creative side of things versus maybe the, um, you know, like puzzle building and, and problem solving math side of things. And so kind of figuring out where maybe you fall as a first step, because um, I do think that there's like, uh, there's something that would appeal to probably everybody within tech and just right. kind of figuring out who you identify as one. And then, um, and then the other is just, you know, drawing on your experience as a, as a parent, honestly, um, I think is something that, you know, for me, I do every day and, in, you know, thinking about what um, makes me good at my job. It's the multitasking, it's the um, ability to read other people, right? And the, um, um, and so, yeah, thinking about how this feels that you, that you do have. So what skills you want and then what skills you do have and kind of blending them. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, I think too, like as, after you've sort of done that assessment and you've really gotten clear about, you know, what area you feel like you can best translate your prior skills, your parent skills into, really going deep on like what it takes to succeed in that specific role and whether that's building a network, getting informational interviews, like going out and like doing almost a discovery process because this really is like a net new Thing for, for a lot of people, right? And particularly if you've been out of the workforce and you're coming back in, things, you know, there's a lot that happens, right? And while you're building up your negotiation skills to a very high degree. Um, yes. You know, <laughs> and like not giving there to be any room about why someone would not take a chance on you as a technologist, you as a um, 
as a parent returning to the workforce. And a lot of those things can be shown through this ambition around creating a network, you know, taking the product management course, like doing the things that you can control, right? And and, right. and I think it's great about that. It's great on paper and then they see it and it doesn't become a blocker for you. It's great for your confidence, right? You are out there and every connection is confidence and every thing you put yourself out there and do is confidence and then you're bringing that into an interview and yeah. you're, you're out in front of the objections, right? Because I think sometimes when we, we come in with like, we joke, it's like the monkey on your back and you're just like, you're just waiting for them to be like, why, why did you leave the workforce? And you're just like, here's why me, not here's why not me, which is the question you're asking and the way I'm taking it. But here's why me yeah. and here's why you are going to benefit from hiring me and why I'm the right person for this job. Right. And then not getting discouraged. Like the job search, as much as we all can disrupt it, there are times where you're just delivered to the wrong doorstep and that you need a different doorstep, right? It doesn't yeah. mean anything. It's literally like you are the whole package. You just need to find the right place to be delivered to. Yes. And like you keep going through that without becoming demoralized about your potential as a future candidate and as a person in that company. That's a great point. Yeah. That is fantastic advice. Colleen, Margot, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Uh, so much wisdom being shared today, and I know our audience is going to just love everything that you had to talk about. So thank you very much. Thank you for having us. Hey, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to sign up for the UR Techie email list. Imagine being in the tech job of your dreams. Join me to get the strategies training and never-ending support to get hired. Sign up at URTechie.com. That's Y-O-U-A-R-E-T-E-C-H-Y.com. I'll see you next time.